okay, were there a lot of big plays in that Stanford-Arizona State game on Friday night? Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think Stanford lost this game on the little plays it did not make. Devils won the details in this one, folks, and that's what we're talking about on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. Great to have you with us. A Saturday edition of the show. That's what Friday Night Games can do. Saturday, October 9th, 2021. Hope your week has been a great one. Hope you are poised to do great things in the upcoming week as well. And we're going to talk about Stanford's loss at Arizona State down in the desert. 28 to 10 was the final score. You'll hear from you'll hear from Cardinal head coach David Shaw. You'll also hear a little bit from Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker. And also Stanford tight end Ben Urosik as Stanford falls to 3-3 three and three on the season with that result. But look, the, the good news is that Tanner McKee and Ben Urosik are probably going to be stars in this league. The good news is that the second half wasn't as rough in some ways as I feared it might be. The good news is that Stanford still has a lot of cool things to shoot for. The not-so-good news is that that game at Arizona State kind of went how I thought it might. And it was certainly the little plays that conspired against the Cardinal along the way. Oh, I should introduce myself at some point. Hey, how you doing? Troy Clarity. Great to have you with me. Uh, my, what is this, fifth season of hosting the TreeCast? Might even be sixth. I'm starting to lose track. I do know it is the 29th season for me following Stanford football. And I am in the middle of year number eight of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. Soccer, field hockey, and volleyball for me this fall. And when I'm not doing that, I'm chasing the Cardinal around. Was not in Tempe. Was on my couch in my living room in the East Bay watching this all unfold. Will be in Pullman next week. Looking forward to uh, making the trek up there when the Cardinal face the Washington State Cougars. They love me up there in the 509. But great to have you with us. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. Last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity on Twitter. Subscribe to the show, rate and review the show. I always appreciate those. And share the show as well, either by word of mouth or by telling folks, hey, here, check out this show, check out this link. And if you subscribe to the show, obviously, all you need to do is to tap into it via your favorite listening device and boom, the TreeCast is right there for you. Clearly not the result Stanford was looking for in Tempe as Arizona State ran over and threw the card for a 21-7 halftime lead. Sun Devils had chances to break away and make it a complete route. They didn't. And the Cardinal had chances to get back in it and make it a ball game. They didn't. 28-10 the final. Cardinal now 3-3 on the season. And Stanford defensive lineman Thomas Booker putting it all in perspective you know for us obviously we, you want to win every single game um but you also have to keep things in perspective and look at the rest of the season and look at the goals that you have you know pac 12 championship and all that sort of stuff so for us that's still you know right ahead of us you know we can still can kind of control our destiny with that so you know as a football player and as an athlete in general you got to take your losses in the chin you know take the lessons you can from it and look to the positives and what you can do potentially. That's Thomas Booker, and yeah, no question there are positives, but there's certainly a lot of work ahead in the final six games of the regular season and a lot of little things that still need to be cleaned up. More on that for the remainder of the rest of the show, but first a reminder that all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back 
for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's spelled B L E A V, to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's hop into it. Three things you need to know about Stanford at Arizona State, and we will begin, as usual, with number one. Now, Stanford had 11 possessions against Arizona State, 11 of them. Ten of them ended in A-State territory. And those ten trips in the, in the Sun Devil territory resulted in the grand total. Ten points. That's it. David Shaw, the Cardinal coach, with his theories on what went wrong in plus territory. I'll take some on my shoulders. Um, when plays don't work, but they're bad play calls. Um, so I'll put that on me. Um, so when you have bad play calls and you, and you lack execution... That's what happens, right? We got in position multiple times and then, you know, we just, we stalled. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you can move the ball between the 20s. If you can't get in and score touchdowns, you're not going to win, not in this league. Um, not on a Friday night against a really good football team. Nope, sure aren't. We'll do a deeper dive on this later. But in the meantime, uh, here's a tidbit for you. Stanford's drives on average finished at the Arizona State 33. And after all that, just 10 points to show for it on the night. Let's get to number two. And Cardinal tight end Ben Urosik had a starring role for the Cardinal. Uh, six catches for a Stanford high, 118 yards. Made tough catches in traffic, bounced off defenders and hung on to balls. Went up and got some passes. Made an insane one-arm grab and double coverage on a drop in the bucket from Tanner McKee. Just an outstanding array of grabs by the sophomore from Bakersfield. Ben on his big night. Yeah, I mean, uh, ASU is running a lot of man-to-man. And uh, Tanner has trust in us been working a lot, especially after practice. And uh, those throws especially. We have uh, great chemistry and trust with you in between each other. Yeah, no question that uh, he and Tanner have developed a little something. You, that, that's pretty apparent when you watch those two uh, play pitch and catch. Ben's a little on the quiet side, isn't he? I may need to, I may need to start calling him Terminator X because he only speaks with his hands. You know what the Stanford defensive backs call Ben? The future. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know full well what that young man is capable of. And if that's the future, then stay tuned. By the way, Tucker Fisk, uh, Stanford's uh, tight end, also did pretty well in run blocking, by the way, when Stanford actually ran the ball, anyway. Let's finish up three things with number three. And with Josh Cardi out against the Sun Devil, Stanford's kicking game was a major subplot coming in, and it became an even bigger one after the freshman from Fargo, North Dakota, Emmett Kenny, hurt himself while kicking an extra point in the first quarter. Kenny went down in a heap, had to be helped off slowly into the medical tent. And that meant that Ryan Sanborn, who normally handles punting duties and was already handling kickoff duties with Cardi out, had to do all three. 
After the game, I asked David Shaw about Emmett Kenny's status. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, he wasn't any pain at, at the end there, um, but uh, we'll see what he's like next week. Um, and then we'll see, we'll see who's available in the kicking game next week. That's going to be touch and go for us. Um, thankfully, Ryan Sanborn came in just like he did last year, filled in great kickoffs for touchbacks, did a good job punting, winning this game to, to punt the ball high and make sure they did not get any punt returns. That was the plan. Um, and then on one opportunity, go out there and kick a field goal. He nailed it, but we got a penalty. So um, if we're status quo next week, Ryan will come back and do all three. And we'll see how our other two kickers are between now and uh, next week. Yeah, and as we talked about on the last episode of the TreeCast, Sanborn punted, kicked off, and handled place kicks in 2019 after Jet Toner got hurt and did pretty well in all those respective categories. Sanborn against the Sun Devils, one for one on field goals. Actually, he went two for two, but, well, more on that later. Put three punts inside the 20 and didn't allow a kickoff return. Kicking games in flux last week? Well, looks like it may be in flux again this upcoming week as the car get ready to get on the plane to Pullman. Those are three things. Some individual numbers to run through for you. Tanner McKee, Stanford's quarterback, 27-45 for 356 yards. A touchdown to Elijah Higgins, but three interceptions. Two off of tip balls that should have been caught and one that was taken back for a touchdown. Uh, Elijah Higgins was seven catches for 110 yards. Nathaniel Pete and Austin Jones, seven carries each, but they combined for only 45 yards. More on the ground game's absence later on. It might not be for exactly the reasons that you might think. Gabe Reed with 10 total tackles defensively for the Cardinal and Dale and Wade Perry with a nice fumble forced that uh, Ricky Miezon fell on and recovered uh, for the uh, lone turnover that Stanford was able to generate. Uh, to me, it, it, it all boiled down to this. Arizona State got big plays at the start. You had Jaden Daniels, A-State's quarterback's uh, 51-yard touchdown run. Uh, Kyrie Blue Kelly and Jimmy Wyrick running into each other uh, along the way. Uh, that capped an 87-yard drive. You had the flea flicker for 32 yards for Arizona State, followed immediately by a reverse for 22 yards and a touchdown. That was just a sublime sequence, by the way, for, for Arizona State and their offensive brain trust. So Arizona State got big plays at the start, and Stanford could not make little plays throughout. Devil was in the details, folks, especially once Stanford crossed the 50. David Shaw with further thoughts on that. Most of the time, the quarterback got us into the right place. Um, we executed, except for when it when it caused us to to be uh, second and long, third and long, um, and that's what happens. A lot of those times, we're right at midfield or just past midfield with some negative play that knocked us back. And look, some of those negative plays directly cost Stanford points. Lucas Unger gets called for holding. That takes a 48-yard field goal off the board. Would have made it 14-10 at the time early in the second quarter. That, to me, was the biggest play of the game, by the way. Early second quarter. Stanford gets a first down to Arizona State's 42. Then McKee gets sacked. Looked like that may have been on Branson Bragg. Good to see him back in the starting lineup, by the way. Austin Jones fumbled on the next play. Card will get, get it back. And Stanford has to punt. Middle second quarter. Dalen Wade Perry forces a fumble that Ricky Miezon recovers at the A-State 40, but on first down, Miles Hinton gets called for an illegal block. 
shoved the Sun Devil in the back. And he didn't even need to do it. It was just a little tap. But it's going to get called 99 times out of 100. And it was. It should have been. And that penalty, in part, forced Stanford to punt from the ASU 40. Late third quarter, Stanford third nine from the Sun Devil 44. Shaw calls a draw, thinking here is that it's four down territory, so maybe surprise me get the first down. At least get five or six and make it fourth and close. Those are your two big things that you're kind of banking on there, but the draw wasn't well blocked at all, and somehow Austin Jones was able to pick up three yards out of it anyway. And Stanford turned the ball over on downs on the next play after a completion to Elijah Higgins short of the marker. Just things like that. Sequences like that. That went against Stanford all night long, especially in plus territory. Oh, by the way, Stanford started four for six on third down. Then converted just one of its final eight. So keep that in mind as well. A lot of little plays are made on third down. Or not. And all those little plays snowballed on the card and kept them from where they needed to go, the end zone. Um, real quick, on the narrative that Shaw punted too much inside Arizona State territory in the first half, uh, and it was certainly something I saw uh, on Twitter uh, during the course um, of that first half. And I would agree with that if the distance – on fourth downs, on those four respective fourth downs, have been different. If we were talking short yardage, then and, and, and Shaw punted four times on like fourth and two, fourth and three, yeah, okay, I might have been right there with some folks. But but Shaw called those punts on fourth and five from the Arizona State 39, fourth and 16 from the Arizona State 40, that was after the penalty that took Stanborn's field goal off the board, fourth and 13 from the A-State 45, and 4th and 10 from the ASU 40. Maybe that first situation, 4th and 5 from the ASU 39, maybe that one, but certainly the others don't scream, go for it. Not to me anyway, and not to David Shaw. And look, I, I raise my eyebrows as much as anyone else when Shaw punts in plus territory, especially inside the 40. That doesn't apply to this game, right? That, that, that doesn't apply here. So you can, you can miss me with that, with that whole narrative, this week anyway. Uh, back to the show. Tanner McKee, his night. We gave you his numbers, but the one that certainly stands out uh, is the one in the INT column. Three interceptions thrown by Tanner McKee, who had thrown a grand total of zero picks in his first 161 throws this season. One pick in particular ended up being the dagger. That was the one that got taken back to the house uh, for a 28-10 Arizona State lead in the third quarter. Jock Jones with just a superb play and the presence of mind to lateral it to a teammate who ran it back for the score. I asked Shaw to take us through that play after the game. The pick six is we tried to run a slant. Um, Jack Jones is a good football player. Um, incredible catch by him. He jumped in front of uh, John Humphreys. Um, it looked like the ball was about to come out, and instead of it coming out, he flipped it up to uh, to the defense back who ran it in. Um, it's a highlight play. It's an exceptional play. Um, it's a play that will turn a game like this one. Yeah, no doubt. Cemented it for ASU, and uh, even there on that play, some little things went against Stanford that turned into a big play for the Sun Devils. Stanford had been 
killing ASU on slants and fades. Stanford's big physical receivers against against Arizona State's relatively small defensive backs. The uh, TV production made a uh, made a big deal about that. Even made a cartoon and a graphic about it uh, at the start uh, of the show. Stanford had done quite well in that department for much of the night leading into that sequence. So Humphreys ran a slant on the third down on the cornerback, Jock Jones, who, who had inside position the whole way, pretty much from the start, even before, even before the snap. Now, is, is that something that McKee didn't spot? Humphreys? Should they have signaled each other and checked out of that route? Did they and maybe someone didn't see it? Who knows? But credit ASU for making a heck of a play, but still, little things like that. And while McKee made a bunch of Sunday throws out there, I mean, just just jaw droppers at times, his accuracy overall was a bit hit and miss on Friday night. David Shaw on McKee's evening. Um, I thought Tanner's night was was uneven. Um, Obviously, showed his ability, showed his talent, made some big-time throws. I mean, some big-time throws with guys in his face. Um, But then we missed a couple, you know? Didn't connect with a couple of receivers. Um, that's not all the quarterback's fault. We had a couple of uh, little uh, adjustments and route-wise that that uh, didn't work for us. Um, but I think he, he will and we will all grow from this. Yeah, it's David Shaw. And uh, look, a couple of back shoulder fades and end zone fades that could have been better balls uh, from McKee uh, didn't go his way. And sometimes, look, let's face it, he didn't get help, right? That first pick that he threw was a ball that Silas Star, Star should have caught. Just clanged right off his mitts and into a Sun Devil defender. Said, thank you very much. I'll just end the half, the first half right here. That was a pretty big play as it turned out, by the way, as well. And McKee's third pick was a ball that Casey Filkins should have hung on to. So an up and down night. We saw some fantastic throws from McKee. And there's still a lot to like about that young man. That being said. Also some things that he, I'm sure he's going to take forward and learn from as the season goes forward. At times, McKee didn't get help from his receivers. He also didn't get much help from his running game. There wasn't much running game to speak of for Stanford. Just 45 yards between Pete and Jones on 14 carries between the two of them. But before everyone starts to you know, wail and gnash their teeth and lament the uh, the, the the loss of the Stanford Stanford rushing attack, which has been valid, I think, at times this season. But but there was a reason for, for that. Uh, David Shaw explains. Just be cautious of, of of just looking at stats. They played the majority of the game with with single high and loading the box. So running the ball most of the time is not an option. We have a lot of plays where we call a run and, and change to a pass. And I want to say most of those got changed to passes because they're playing single high cover one man to man, which is why quarterback threw for over 300 yards, which is why two, we had 200 yard receivers. Um, so uh, that's where we run an offense that I think is supposed to take advantage of those things. Bottom line for us is that we crossed a 50 and didn't get points. So no, Stanford didn't really try to run the ball, but that's because Arizona state was given Stanford the pass and it worked right. McKee had 204 yards passing by halftime. And I was kind of half starting to wonder early and midway through the third quarter of Davis Mills' uh, 500-yard passing record that he set against Washington State a couple years ago might be in some jeopardy. So 
I wouldn't necessarily call Stanford's lack of an output in the rushing category against Arizona State on Friday night. I wouldn't necessarily call that an inability to run the ball and block the run. I certainly thought that applied against UCLA. Because the opportunities to move the ball were elsewhere. But that being said, with Stanford going to more of its passing game and not running the ball, especially on first down, it kind of kept Stanford from staying on schedule and prevented Stanford from, from getting into second and more manageable, you know, second and six, second and five. Now, there, there were times, and I thought especially early on when Stanford was a bit more balanced in, in its attack, that there were some things happening with Stanford's running game that I liked. Mentioned Tucker Fisk. I thought he blocked very well. There were, some, there were some things opening up early on for Stanford in the rushing game. But when those things started to shut down and when those things, or when those opportunities were not presented to the Cardinal, it kind of helped keep Stanford from, from staying on schedule. And the next thing you know, McKee is, is firing an inaccurate pass on first down, makes it second and 10, and then third and 10, and then McKee either makes a whale of a throw on third down to move the chains or not. So, look, I, I would much rather see more than nine yards in the rushing column for Stanford. Don't forget that sacks are figured in uh, to that total. But I'm not quite as concerned about that as, as many folks uh, might seem to be after that development. Switch it over to the other side of the ball, the defense. Tale of two halves. Tale of two halves. I feel like we've said that story um, a few times already this year. Stanford gained 230 yards in the first half, and normally I'd be jumping up and down about that and saying, all right, giddy up. But Arizona State gained 287. 173 of those were on the ground. And 119 of those rushing yards came in the first quarter. Again, those are halftime numbers for Arizona State. Stanford had zero contain on the edges. And none of their players on any level, the line, the backers, the secondary, none of those guys were having any impact on the game at all. At all. Now, a lot of this was due to a brilliant game plan. By Arizona State, well executed by Jaden Daniels and crew. Jaden made a few first half throws that were well timed and on the money and moved chains. Isn't it amazing how things change a bit when you're when you're facing a mobile quarterback who can actually complete passes downfield with some degree of consistency? That hadn't been the case, certainly the two weeks leading up to that game against Arizona State on Friday night. A-State made the linebackers complete non-factors, kept the defense guessing, and that flea flicker, then reverse sequence, uh, (laughs) I may have literally tipped my hat to the TV screen on that one. Don't forget, folks, the other team is trying to win, too. So that first half went just about as well as it could have for Arizona State via its game plan and via its execution of it. And couldn't have gone much worse for Stanford defensively. But Stanford was able to settle down defensively and then settle in in the second half. A-State didn't score at all in the second half, on offense anyway. 
Tucker Fisk a big stop for no gain on fourth and one. He's quietly racking up some big moments on the defensive line. Stanford got a sack to force a missed field goal. So, so there are some things to take away for Stanford defensively from that second half. After the game, I asked Thomas Booker what went right for Stanford's defense in the second half that maybe hadn't quite gone right in the first half. It's pretty simple, right? Um, when people are locked into their keys, when linebackers are filling gaps, when defensive linemen are keeping their eyes in the, in, on the block and not in the backfield, um, we can do some pretty special things on defense. You know, even if we do bleed a little bit, give some yards up, you know, once the ball passes the 50, we can really lock up. Um, and, you know, you guys saw that with the interception, with the fourth down stop, um, with the fourth down where they missed the field goal. Uh, those are things for us where it's really simple. You know, we have a, a great defensive game plan. So when we execute it, you know, the way it should be, um, it's just as simple as that. You know, it just comes down to execution. There's no kind of magic bullet um, or solution that ends up, you know, having us get these stops. It's just about guys paying attention to the key. Yeah, and I'm sure all that helped. You know, I mean, part of me also thinks, however, that that A-State got a bit sloppy and maybe disinterested after the pick six. But I'm, I'm certainly going to give Stanford's defense credit here. Mostly because in 29 years of covering this team, I've seen my share of bored, disinterested, sloppy teams still find ways to score on Stanford. That didn't happen on Saturday. So I'll credit the Cardinal defense for that. By the way, the freshman safety, Alakai Gilman, he, he kind of had a rough night. At safety, especially early on, got bounced off of on third down for a big first down run uh, for Arizona State, then got hurdled for another big gain uh, pretty quickly after that and was kind of in some some wrong positions, it seemed, uh, at, at other points throughout the game. Kind of a rough night for Gilman, but, you know, chalk it up as a learning experience for that young man. And I think you can also really chalk up everything that we saw on Friday night to this. I think this was the wrong opponent for Stanford to face at the wrong time. Now, look, that being said, you got to play the schedule you're dealt with, right? I mean, you, you, you can't call up ASU uh, and say, you know, hey, hey, Herm, check this out. Listen, we, we, we got beat up last week against Oregon pretty good. Um, is there any chance that uh, we could uh, reschedule this one for late? No, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to play the schedule. That's your handed. But after that schedule came out back in the spring, if you had told me to pick the game, the one game that Stanford would be most likely to lose, this is the one I would have picked. I just did not like the road trip on a short week after playing Oregon. I, I still didn't like it after the Cardinal beat the Ducks. And I think I mentioned that on the show, on the last episode. ASU is probably going to face a reckoning down the road for some of its some of its alleged doings. But right now, as I say this on Saturday afternoon, October no, October 9th, 2021, Sun Devils are playing better than anybody else in the Pac-12. They play fast. They play hard. They're physical. And they're well coached. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap, man. That's all I can do. And, and, and wish them well for the remainder of the season. So if you had told me before this game that ASU would win it by 18, I would have said, yeah, yeah, I, I can. I can see that. I can see that. And that's what ended up happening.
All that being said, Stanford's still in a good spot right now, even at three and three. They're still in a good spot in the North. They hold any and all tiebreakers over Oregon. And in the Pac-12, that is very valuable currency. And they control their own destiny in the North. Was Friday frustrating? Yeah, of course it was. I wasn't thrilled about watching Stanford just completely break down in plus territory time and time and time again. No, there were there were better ways I could have spent my Friday evening than by watching that. But still, there's a lot ahead for this team in the second half of the season. David Shaw still believes. Still believe that we're capable of some special things. I think we really are. Um, our youth sometimes shows up, not just the quarterback position, a bunch of little positions. Now, as I said earlier in the week, we've got 20 guys playing for us right now that have played less than 12 games. Um, and that's including this game. So I think we're going to continue to grow, continue to get better. Um, there's a lot of football for us to be played uh, for, for to be played for us. And uh, that's our challenge is to play great the rest of the year and let the chips fall where they may. Yep, there's a lot still on the table for Stanford. A lot of good things potentially still ahead for the Cardinal. Now, in the more immediate future, you know, short-term vision, I'm curious to see if uh, fullback Jay Simmons and wide receiver John Humphreys end up on this week's upcoming injury report. Simmons crushed the Sun Devil after a 21-yard catch and run. Uh, that set up Stanford's first quarter touchdown, but, but Simmons ended up paying the price for it and he didn't return to the game. Humphreys left the game with an injury uh, early fourth quarter, I believe, with uh, with an injury the TV cameras didn't show because they were too busy telling a story. That happens sometimes. I'm, I'm a play-by-play announcer. I, I know how that works. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. You get caught telling a story and sometimes things develop on the field. But and I, I'm also interested to see if, if, if and when Michael Wilson comes off the injury report, along with Ethan Bonner. And as much as Tanner McKee's already shown us in five games as the starter, his trajectory needs to keep going upwards. Learn from some of the things that didn't go his way on Friday night. And the defense needs to stabilize and be more consistent, much more consistent. Hey, secondary has had some great moments. Uh, front seven has has come in with a time or two and a stop or two at some critical at some crit- critical junctures. But they all need to get it together for the final six games of the season. And it all starts next Saturday. Up in Pullman, Washington State. Fight, fight, fight for Washington State. Win the victory. I won't be singing that next week as the tree cast will be in Pullman for Stanford versus Washington State at 4.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. So that should be a lot of intrigue in that game. I always welcome your thoughts on Stanford football, anything you've got really on Stanford athletics. You know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm fairly well versed in what's happening uh, with all Stanford sports, at least the ones that are going right now. Anyway, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Troy clarity and hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go. And once again, subscribe to the show, rate it, review it, download it, listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, great. Share it with everyone. Share it with the world. If you don't enjoy it, let me know. Tell me about it. Let me know what I can do uh, to make it better in your mind. We're all in this together, folks. We are all in this together. 
And we will see you again next time on the TreeCast. Should be coming your way. Uh, should be certainly back to the early part of our normal posting schedule. As um, we'll, we should come at you, I would imagine, on Thursday. Thursday morning as we normally have uh, for our preview episodes so far this regular season. So, in the meantime, uh, Oregon State's playing Washington State as, as I speak, as I say these words. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to, to watching that game and checking it out and doing a little recon in advance of uh, Stanford's trip up to Poland. Looking forward to it, and we'll talk to you next time. You heard from David Shaw, you heard from Thomas Booker, and you heard from Ben Urosik. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and you can't back the pack if you don't back the vac. That might be a major subplot in Pullman this upcoming week, by the way. Hmm. Talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network.